the Yahoo breach exposes the weaknesses of hashed passwords and taking a broader approach to mobile security. These stories are more coming up in the ISMG Security Report. Hello, I'm Eric Chabro. The breach revealed last week of Yahoo that exposed the accounts of a half billion customers also exposed some of the weaknesses in hashed passwords. ISMG Security and Technology Editor Jeremy Kirk explains. The breach puts many people at risk, especially those who have reused passwords on other websites. All of the passwords stored by Yahoo were encrypted, but some of the stolen passwords are considered weaker than others, and the reason goes to the heart of the challenges that organizations are facing with passwords. It takes a bit of explanation to understand why. Companies don't store plain text passwords. That's far too risky. Instead, passwords are processed through a one-way deterministic algorithm to produce what's called a hash. A hash is essentially a cryptographic representation of a password, which is what ends up being stored in a company's systems. Several algorithms have been used over the last decade to process passwords. The growing computational power has meant the output of some algorithms can now be rapidly guessed. Modern computers can now guess the hash outputs of algorithms such as MD5 and SHA-1 billions of times per second. Yahoo says most of the stolen passwords were hashed using bcrypt, which is considered secure. That's because bcrypt hashes can't be guessed nearly as fast as MD5 or SHA-1. But not all of Yahoo's passwords were protected with bcrypt. So why don't all organizations just switch to bcrypt? It's possible. But there's a big problem. In order for all users to benefit from a new algorithm, they need to reset their passwords. Troy Hunt, a data breach expert who runs the Have I Been Pwned breach notification service, says companies are reluctant to do that. You also don't want to do system-wide password reset because, first of all, it's the UX anti-pattern in terms of saying, hey, everybody, we need you to reset your password. Second of all, if everyone suddenly gets an email from Yahoo says, we would like you to, um, yeah, go and reset your password. People are going to go, okay, well, what's happened to Yahoo? <laughs> um, it's, it's not a good look. So there's going to be naturally some suspicion there. For a company with as many users as Yahoo, migrating to a new algorithm and securing weak hashes is a huge problem. It's also hard to predict how password cracking capabilities will evolve. John Bambanek, manager for threat systems at Fidelis Cybersecurity, says it even poses an issue for brand new services. If somebody is creating some new massively scaled social media thing, and ask me what hashing algorithm to use, I'm not going to use today's standard. I'm going to use something much stronger than today's standard because 10 years from now, right, you know, today's standard will be insufficient. And it's, a, it's a super pain to migrate. There's, there's no easy way to do that. Hunt says the result is that some companies are forever in a state of password transition. Dropbox, which said in August that 69 million accounts were compromised, is another example. Hunt says that breach showed that half of the passwords were encrypted with bcrypt and the other half with SHA-1, which is now considered very weak. A way around the problem is to take hashes that can be rapidly guessed, such as MD5s or SHA-1s, and then run them through bcrypt. But it would appear from several of the large breaches this year that companies have just rolled over to a new hashing algorithm and not secured the weaker ones. That's why, in part, the Yahoo breach still poses a risk. If the weak hashes can be cracked, those passwords can be tried against other services, such as bank accounts or social media accounts. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Jeremy Kirk. Mobile security remains a major challenge for most organizations. Often when addressing mobile security, enterprises focus on securing applications such as the device's operating system or preventing the installation of malware. But mobile security experts at the National Institute of Standards and Technology say that's too narrow of an approach and organizations must broaden the way they secure mobile technology. 
there's this whole other side of a mobile device that has its own complex hardware, firmware, software, networking protocols that need to be addressed. That's NIST cybersecurity engineer Joshua Franklin. He co-authored a just-published NIST interagency report titled Accessing Threats to Mobile Devices and Infrastructure, the Mobile Threat Catalog. The 50-page document calls on enterprises to adopt a new perspective on mobile security by extending their view to encompass the entire mobile security ecosystem, which includes threats that occur through cellular networks, cloud computing infrastructure, and app stores. Franklin explains that the mobile security ecosystem is the infrastructure needed to support modern mobile operations, such as services provided by OS vendors. Think like find my iPhone or find my Android phone. Servers intended to provide patches to mobile operating systems. All of the enterprise systems that are needed to support mobility for the workforce. And then of course, mobile application stores as well. Be them the primary stores that were created by the OS vendors. At the same time, there are completely legitimate third-party mobile app stores like the Amazon App Store on Android. And then there are, of course, some of the more illegitimate mobile app stores, some of those rogue mobile app stores that are serving up free versions of paid apps and copyright infringing content. The NIST report is not guidance. There are no list of controls to be implemented or specific best practices to be adopted. Instead, NIST catalogs threats to mobile devices and associate mobile infrastructure to encourage enterprises to develop and implement mobile security best practices and solutions to better safeguard enterprise information technology. The Mobile Technology Catalog classifies mobile threats in numerous areas, including authentication, supply chain, physical access, ecosystem, and network protocols, technologies, and infrastructure. It also covers mobile security challenges involving global positioning systems, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, and mobile payments. As an example, Franklin cites threats from cellular radios and smartphones, which, if not secured, could allow someone to eavesdrop, say, on your CEO's calls. The NIST report is a draft and identifies known threats and furnishes available information about each one, including countermeasures to mitigate the impacts of particular threats. NIST is requesting feedback on the draft before it's released in a final form. Comments should be sent to NIST by October 12th. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. Bank Info Security Executive Editor Tracy Kitten just returned from the PCI Security Standards Council's North American Community Meeting in Las Vegas. And one of the more troubling findings she learned is that the vast majority of breaches, like a virus, spread from one victim to another. To discuss that and other revelations from the PCI Security Standards Council meeting, I'm joined by Tracy. Welcome back. Thanks, Eric. Good to be here. Sounds like an epidemic. Successful malware attacks rapidly targeting one victim after another. What's happening? Yeah, it is an epidemic. This isn't really anything new, Eric. We've been talking about malware attacks attacking multiple victims for quite some time. But what I did find interesting is that speed at which these cyber criminals are moving from one target to the next. Chris Novak, who is the director of investigative response for Verizon's risk team, mentioned during his presentation that these attacks are being waged against one victim and then within less than 24 hours, they're targeting other victims. As soon as they find a malware attack that's successful, they're reusing those tools and techniques and procedures to attack other victims. They have a piece of malware that works. You know, the example I use in my presentation is it's like a like a car or a home robbery kind of thing. If they have something that works, they will hit as many victims as they can before they get discovered. Because once they get discovered or once their technique gets figured out, 
in the cyber world, you know, your antivirus gets updated, now they're no longer a threat or they're no longer viable to be able to go after other organizations. So it's, for them, it's all about speed before their tools get identified. Tracy, are organizations responding to the quickness of cyber criminals? Well, I also spoke with Stephen Orfe, who is the general manager of the PCI Security Standards Council, and he says speed is essential when combating malware attacks. Yeah, it's not so much someone's dropping the ball. I think it's building in uh, security as business as usual into the day-to-day activity. And, and, you know, we're starting to see that kind of momentum in the marketplace. We know that these breaches were preventable. And if we could be more vigilant and make it routine, I think then we're in a better place. Could more be done to prevent these breaches? Is it that hard to prevent these incidents? Well, the PCI Security Standard Council's Orfe in his keynote address told the meeting that nearly 100% of all card breaches could have been prevented. So it's really not that hard. What else did you learn at the PCI Security Council meeting? One thing that was interesting in Chris Novak's presentation, of course, Chris is with Verizon, is that it's not just the retail sector that's getting targeted. The public sector is getting targeted quite a bit. It's just a different type of attack. So where we see cybercrime wage for financial gain against the financial and retail sector, we see cybercrime waged for cyber espionage when it comes to attacks that are being waged against the public sector. Okay, well, thanks, Tracy. You're welcome, Eric. Thank you for having me. Finally. Good news and bad news from U.S. state governments. The good news, governors are paying more attention to cybersecurity. That's according to a just-issued survey of state chief information security officers by the National Association of State Chief Information Officers. 29% of CISOs provide their governors with monthly reports on cybersecurity. That's up 12 points in just two years. Another 16% of CISOs offer their governors quarterly assessments. The bad news? Only 10% of state CISOs brief their legislatures, either monthly or quarterly. In fact, nearly one-third of CISOs say they never communicate with their legislatures. Not briefing lawmakers is bad policy. After all, it's the legislature that appropriates funds for IT security initiatives. And the CISOs report that funding remains their biggest IT security challenge. That's the ISMG Security Report. Our theme is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Eric Chabro. Catch you next time.